Okay, once more with feeling then. <laughs> do we need to, to actually acknowledge the horrific tech mess up? Oh, we definitely, definitely do. Can we please give yeah. it to Morris and Steve? So I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, so we were in the middle of, the I would say, the most articulate, funny... Uh, back and forth over politics. It was a perfect yeah. blend of humor and political insight. And it was wonderful and amazing. And just like the bestest podcast has ever been or any podcast has ever been. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the Skype call cut out because Steve's shitty, shitty laptop decided to shit the bed. I found that I was both insightful and funny and also handsome sounding when, yeah. when we recorded first. I, I was going to say, you, yeah, you sounded virile and just wonderful. Yeah, I've, I've lost it. I've lost it in the meantime. See, I'll I, try. Just, I just want to point out that this is what the Trump administration is changing our culture. <laughs> Everyone just has to talk big league now all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm antag- yeah, I'm antagonizing you without understanding your, your side of things, but that's okay. It's I, just, I, I actually, I be, I'm beginning to see the merit in it now. To anybody out there, these two colleagues of mine are Mac users. I'm a Windows user and I just experienced the most embarrassing Windows user problem in front of two Mac users where it decided to restart in the middle of a, of a podcast. Yeah. For it, it seems it's a thing it does. I actually, I use Windows then again on dual boost on my computer to play games. The only reason why you would ever need Windows basically. And uh, <laughs> and it does the same thing. It tells you, yeah, I'll, I'm going to restart and you, you say, no, do this at a more convenient time and then you go back to what you're doing and it just fucking turns off <laughs> just as it did a moment ago. Now's a more convenient time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, You haven't saved good. Now's the time. Um, I hope that in the the picture that, that got sent to you, put, please put that in the show notes of, of the computer restarting. But I hope that there's a really faint reflection of Steve's sad face in the screen so that oh. you can see both the restart and the terror in his eyes that this is just happening. Uh, if, if that's not there, then I will Photoshop that thank in you, because I think that needs to be a part of it. That needs to be committed to pixels for uh until the rest of eternity so it won't be difficult because most of my face most of the the photographs of my face are scared anyway so you can just pick any of them of of mine and then just put it on so yeah it's fine great it'll be a montage there'll be like eight steves in there (laughs) (laughs) oh okay we doing this then yep Uh, i feel i should have had not not only have i nothing to open but the ice in my drink has now melted so it doesn't clink as well as as it did and it's nearly empty yeah we'll we'll be fine i'll I'll muddle through somehow i'm already half a bottle of wine in so it's okay Good stuff. So news, news again. So news. Well, wait, wait. But before we do news, um, we we forgot that we need to reintroduce Donald. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That Hello. guy. All right. Okay. So we have our first special guest, Donald Mulligan, PhD. Uh, what are what are acronyms do you have after your name at this point? Uh, no, those are the only ones. I think you can use BSc and stuff, but when you get to PhD, you just put the PhD in there because it's the cool <laughs> one. So oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, DTF. Uh, <laughs> WTF, I think, actually. <laughs> the DTF is down to forgive Steve for his massive fuck up. Oh, beautiful. That's that's really nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's... Uh, uh, will we talk about the whole weirdness of being a PhD and people calling you doctor all the time and how strange it is and the... Well, yeah, I guess, I guess <laughs> where are you looking at me as if this is a problem I have, Donald? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we should talk about that because we can all relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, maybe maybe I'm part of this. Yeah, because definitely this, yeah, most of our listeners have got level 10 qualifications. That's a guarantee. <laughs> I still I still have the imposter syndrome that comes with this where you, you get your PhD and then you feel like you should be a better person who behaves better. And yet here I am recording this podcast with you, drinking Wait, whiskey on top of the wine. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah. what, what this you- isn't the pinnacle of your PhD aspirations? No, I'm, I'm hoping that's yet to come. I haven't really found it yet, but may, maybe it's this. Maybe when we hear this back, it will perhaps be this. Hey, hey, hey Donal. Yes? Fuck you too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is not making me any more witty. No, you need to drink more, Donald. That's all we can yeah, do with that. That's, that's true, that's true. Yeah, I can provide more alcohol. Yeah. I can't provide you any knowledge or intelligence. Well, my, my knowledge, I, I'm kind of worried about. The, the reason that I'm being brought on here is to... Talk knowledgeably, uh, Jesus, whoops, the, the <laughs> kicked in already. Knowledgeably, knowledgeably, please. Should, should I say, so, so the PhD I have is a PhD in communications. So I, like my communicating right now inter, internationally with you is, is good, but it's not in politics and a lot of people think it is. And it's also not in Twitter, which you thought it was. I thought you were the doctor of Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this a lot. Hashtag I thought you were Professor Hashtag. And things like that. Oh, Twactor, that's good. <laughs> I like that one. Um, so, so I'm disclaiming before we begin any specific knowledge, really, in, in most of the things well, that you're talking about. So what are you doing here? Like, what, Yeah, what's the fucking point of this whole endeavor? I think, like most people, you've mistaken the PhD I have for a level of knowledge in these particular areas when it's, in fact, a level of knowledge on a really tiny, specific, tiny thing that really is irrelevant to most people's lives. And every PhD is like this. So, right. So we, we sh- okay, I was, I was going to do a PhD, but I don't think I will now after that. So. No, I don't, I don't think I need to anymore. Like, I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. I'm already so thank der- you for saving me a lot of money. Phew. Okay, good. Um, but, but I think I can, I can give you some Irish perspectives on things in a way that Steve can't because he's not really Irish. No, I, I actually, well, actually one of the things I can do, which I was thinking the other day when I was, when I was listening back to some of your, your podcasts is I can haughtily correct many of the things that you've got wrong in the, in the past few weeks. <laughs> and normally I have this great experience. I, the thing I love about, about your podcast is that there's lots of these small things that I, I kind of, I just, I wish I was there so I could <laughs> tell you not to pronounce Doge of Venice as Doug and things like that. But then there was one, being a, a fruity academic as I am, I was especially insulted about the, the Greek and Roman stuff. And there was that, that podcast from a few weeks ago where you were talking about that guy whose name you couldn't remember who was trying to discover how boats work in his bath. Yeah. Archimedes, who was not trying to discover how boats work. And then in the same podcast, you talked about the Romans and you moved on to how uh, the Caesars just snatched power away when the whole point was that they tricked people into giving them power, that the whole thing that happened there was actually that they were, you know, power was given to them by the people. And it's it's kind of reminiscent of the, the sort of autocracies that happen now. Yeah, but it happened after six or seven civil wars. I mean, do you actually want to get into that debate? Because I do think I have enough knowledge about the Romans. To be, I don't know Archimedes, but I do know the Caesars. Can we just stop the podcast now and change it into a... <laughs> this is the Roman history academics talk about the Romans podcast. And so. Anyway, anyway, no, I, I really I, I really enjoy the podcast. I love hey, it. Hey, Richie, it's, I don't think Donald's seen Gladiator. I don't, like... <laughs> <laughs> Archimedes was not trying to find well, out if his balls floated. Let's just get that to Russell Crowe and Ridley Scott. I think you'll find. <laughs> Strike that order. Um, oh man! So you're t- oh, Donald. You're telling me this is like a huge revelation for me that uh, Steve doesn't get 100 percent things right 100 percent of the time. I mean, no, no, no hang but on. They're, they're normally small things. They, they really are, but I, they're, they're okay. enough to slightly annoy me. And it's that that you know that it's the the pleasure of small pains. The, those little jabs as I listen back, and it's it's, it's mm. very exciting to me on my walk to work to. To be screaming, Doge, because- Doge, you fucking idiots. <laughs> In the middle of no, Dublin. I- <laughs> Because I, I had a, I had a wonderful little, I don't know if you guys remembered it, but it's, it's lost to the ether for forever now. But I had that wonderful little quip about how my news diet is 50% stuff Steve tells me and then 50% stuff I dream of at night that I think actually happened. Mm-hmm. But I said that and it was a lot more funny and organic the first time and me repeating <laughs> it is kind of counter to that. But you're telling me now that 50% of my consumption is, is tainted. 
Well, the half that you dream probably also may be tainted in a different way, but certainly some of what Steve says, a tiny, it's tiny a fraction is probably it's slightly a, wrong. It's a lot sexier, though. Ugh, okay. Does it involve Sean Spicer and Donald Trump, though? <laughs> I'm almost exclusively. <laughs> See, I'm feeling especially disheartened now because we've been trying to talk really, really generally. So most of the broad strokes things that I say is stuff that I get from Wikipedia. So these little factoids <laughs> that I've been giving that apparently are all wrong <laughs> I mean that there's no value to this show at all. Why are you listening, people? Log off. <laughs> So Wake yeah, up, sheeple. This, this has been the benefit of our first guest. We found out he doesn't know anything about what we wanted him to come on about, and he's just torn the entire show apart. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good way to start. I mean, where can you go yeah. from here? This is great. So, uh, yeah, so in the news this last two weeks. <laughs> go on, you go start, on. and I'll just come in and haughtily correct you. Whenever. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, I think you'll find. <laughs> no, 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 unless it's, unless it's Greek and Roman, we're probably fine. I, I actually barely watch the news at all. So it's, oh, it's really? Yeah, yeah, it's looking unlucky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, well then, on, on that very important segue, uh, it's probably been about two weeks since we've recorded. Um, mm-hmm. A lot has happened in the world at large, especially in your part of the world, Richie. Um, mm-hmm. Donald Trump completely fudged it this last two weeks. He tried to overturn Obamacare by replacing it with what we're going to call Trumpy care with the help mm-hmm. of the uh, congressional Republicans. And he said he wanted to get it done really quickly. Uh, just last week, there was a bit of to and fro in between the, um, the conservative Republicans said that it wasn't doing enough to roll back Obamacare because there was still too much state infringement. And then the more moderate Republicans were like, oh, we're going to end up taking away health care to a lot of our constituents and that's going to bite us in the ass the next time we come around for a re-election. So Trump said on Thursday, I think, if you guys don't pass it by tomorrow, I'm going to pull the bill. And everyone's like, ah, yeah, whatever. These times take a lot of time. You know, we need a bit more space and room to maneuver. And then on Friday yeah. he says, okay, you know, no more bill. And you're going to, you're stuck with Obamacare. Was pretty much the end of that entire two week massive drama. Can he do that? Can he just like give them like a 24 hour ultimatum like that? Like, uh, is there any benefit to that whatsoever? It seems like 24 hours is absolutely nothing. No, it's, it's, t- it's TV entertainment yeah. tactics. Basically, he's trying to say, you know, tune in tomorrow to find out if my ultimatum will work. <laughs> It's I'm not even joking. I, yeah, it's a, you. You see it in movies. Yeah. It's, it's what. Or yeah. The Apprentice. <laughs> the Apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he does base a lot of what he does on you know, the presidents that he has seen in, and not even in good movies. He watches <laughs> not, not Air Force One, even worse than Hold Air on. Force One. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going on to IMDb, and I can see Donald Trump has yeah, he has The Apprentice listed, but he also has POTUS listed on IMDb. On IMDb, you can do that, can you? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wait, he has the fact that he is the president listed as his current role. Yeah, is he, uh, yeah, he's saying he's cast as president currently. Is yeah, I, I, I was kidding, Steve, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a more believable voice. I, I actually, I thought that was true there. Again, everything, I just, really? I just mistrust Steve. And that's what oh. tunes me into these, these tiny errors he makes even more. I think it's his slight twang of Donegal. Yeah, Being from the same corner of the country myself, we always mistrust the neighbours more than others. So. <laughs> Speaking of twangs, actually... Um, Someone from my part of the world, but across the border, uh, Martin McGuinness from Derry uh, mm-hmm. passed away. Uh, he was second in command of Sinn Féin, um, mm-hmm. one of the old guards, uh, Sinn Féiners, who was around in the IRA as well, one of the commanders in Derry. Um, quite a controversial figure, um, very much involved in the act of fighting and, and let's just say terrorism that was going on at the time. Um, but he also was core part of the peace process. Uh, he mm-hmm. died in the last couple of weeks. He actually, re- he was 
the the deputy first minister is he that was. yeah is that yeah. the correct yep. title okay <laughs> I'm, I'm preempting myself getting corrected now <laughs> oh no I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'm just imagining you're delivering this entire podcast flinching away from Donald I'm just staring intently at him the entire time it's I've quite actually, erotic in a strange way <laughs> oh nice is that why we moved to the bedroom for this recording that's actually like, that's another thing we should establish we, you guys were recording in in Donald's kitchen but because Steve's laptop shit the bed you had to record on Donald's iMac which is lo- located in the boudoir. It is. And yes. It's, it, if it sounds very sexy right now, it's it's because of that. It's just, because we're lounging sexily at the moment. The most intimidating thing is that I didn't know that you could put mirrors on literally every <laughs> surface in the room. I didn't know that was possible, actually. Jesus. Everything is oiled within an inch of its life. <laughs> Can we move on uh, back to the sad tale of Martin McGuinness dying? This oh, yeah. Is, whoops. I, I, feel, I feel we're disrespecting a, a national figure here. Yeah, so <laughs> national figure Martin McGuinness did pass away. He um, announced his retirement from politics quite surpri- uh, suddenly, just when they were getting into their whole re-election thing, um, like second election recently. And he was replaced as the leader of Sinn Féin in Northern Ireland. Um, when he was making these announcements, everyone noticed that he was, he did look very, very ill. Yeah. And he just, he got, he got a lot sicker very quickly and passed away uh, recently. I think it was a congenital heart it was, yeah. it was quite quick, actually. That yeah, very quick. Like the, the time between him stepping down and, and, and dying was actually quite fast. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, he's one of those figures that he, like Nelson Mandela, who I, a lot of people have compared him to recently, he put aside violence in order to pursue a political solution to, you know, an ongoing problem. And I think he's to be admired for that. But he also, of course, mm-hmm. has the, you know, the, the history of involvement in terrorism that he does. And so... Um, there was a very interesting thing, I'm sure you saw it, Steve, as well, where the uh, there are many tabloid newspapers that are UK-owned but have an Irish edition. And so the the Sun and various ones had a different cover in the UK than in Ireland. So in Ireland, the cover would say, you know, the death of a national hero. In the UK, there would be pictures of the Enniskillen bombing and, you know, saying, like, let him rot or whatever. So, no way. Yeah, yeah. And very interesting in, in Northern Ireland, because of the two communities there, those tabloids editions are often sold side by side. So you could go into a shop and you can see on the same shelf oh the my same God. newspaper. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite mad that they, they do that. But. And then the most disturbing thing is that the two communities would go in and each one would pick up the newspaper yeah. that they prefer. Yeah. Which just really? shows how yeah. fucked up things are in Northern Ireland. The Northern Ireland is a, a crazy, crazy place. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we don't have many listeners up there, so we can say what we want for now. <laughs> the, the stat breakdown for Ireland is really, really bad. Like when you go into the, the back end, yes, okay. it's like you can, most countries like in the US, you can click on US and see all the states and like cities within that. But in Ireland, you click on Ireland and it might give you like two or three of the bigger counties. And then there's just like four Irelands with different numbers next to them, as if Ireland is a sub-county of Ireland itself. I wonder which Irelands we're, we're from, Steve. The, the northwest of Ireland, I expect, with its very sparse population is probably in... Ireland seven or eight. It's it's going to be down the list. <laughs> That's how it works. I'm pretty sure that nobody has internet connection in my area to be able to <laughs> download this yet. They'd have to like go down to the city to be able to get the bandwidth. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, not to offend any Northern Ireland listeners that might be there, but like I mean, you have to recognise that the place is still massively sectarian and fucked up, and uh, it's not getting any better anytime soon. But I mean, Martin McGuinness in the latter stage of his life did try his best to do it. I mean, the best photographs that were going around were photographs of him and Ian Paisley. Um, constantly laughing their heads off when they were governing, governing Northern Ireland for a couple of years as uh, first minister and deputy first minister. And I mean, if you like think of the context, 15 years ago, um, Ian Paisley was calling for the immediate arrest and and I don't know, whatever. Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's that, that's the thing in, in Northern Ireland. It's very hard in these kind of, you know, in the new Brexit reality that Ireland lives in now. To think about what's going to happen there and i know you, you already did a, a show about this but the you know the longer this has gone on and the closer we've come to theresa may actually 
What was she doing? Pulling the plug, flicking the lever. The what is the actual pretty, symbolic thing? I'm pretty sure she's going to Snapchat Yonker, just yeah, saying yeah. we're gone. Well, whenever that, that switch occurs, that this question of the, the hard border in Ireland always comes back. And I think people are terrified that all of this will lead back to those horrible pre-peace process days. And I, I think nobody wants that. And especially people like ourselves from border counties have living memories of, of the horrors of all that stuff. So I, I hope it doesn't. And I hope they, that Martin McGuinness is remembered in a, a positive way for that. Even if violence doesn't sure. happen, it'll add an extra hour to my journey, which is a pain in the ass. That would be annoying. It would be annoying. Yeah. That's the main reason for yeah. it not to happen. And yeah. how will it affect Game of Thrones, which is filmed there also? It won't, actually, there's only one season. It won't affect it at all um, because they only got funding for the first season and then after that there was no more EU funding. People were actually using that as a reason to stay in the EU. And like... <laughs> I mean, I didn't know this. yeah, whatever about the lies of like, everyone knows the famous lies about 370 million a week back to the NHS, it was a day, yeah, 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 something a, like that, a day, like, yeah. a day back to the NHS and, um, which was a lie when that was on the, the leave side, but then like the stay side were using ridiculous things like that. It's like, you can't have Game of Thrones if the EU leave because they're only here because they're getting funding. <laughs> like they got a small tax break for the first season, but then after that it was withdrawn. Free sandwiches for the entire <laughs> cast. <laughs> From so Mary's Sandwich Shop. They're actually nearly finished making that, so they can Brexit away. It won't affect it. Yeah, that's true. That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> Westeros uh, are also leaving the EU. Oh, no. And <laughs> <laughs> what are the other big news items of the week? I suppose the, the staying in the UK, the uh, attack on the UK Parliament is probably something that's uh, going to be on everybody's minds. I'm not sure how long of a delay there is between our recording and this going out, but I think this is going to be something that will remain in the news probably for... Yeah, yeah. The foreseeable it, future, anyway. It won't, but it's, it won't it's have recently been, happened. It won't have been a week by the time this gets released since it happened. But I mean, the the attacker did what he did, and a lot of people were injured. A lot of people died. Um, four people, including the attacker and the uh, policeman who stopped him from actually entering the parliament. Um, and but the, I think the most notable thing is that the very next day, London just got back to business. The uh, parliament sat. They had um, the prime minister gave a speech. Um, a lot of other MPs made like emphatic speeches just saying that we're not going to let them win we're not going to let them change us we're not going to let them we're not going to let them diminish what we have here and and from what i can tell like i mean a lot of the a lot of the like ultra conservative anti-immigration anti-islamic um guys over in the u.s were trying to point again like they've done this loads of times before trump used to say that birmingham and parts of london were no-go areas Mm. for white people because of the the Islamification of the ghettos or whatever. I mean, it's total BS. Everyone just lashed back yeah. and said, don't you talk about that. You don't know what you're saying. To be fair, I think that the, the those things that, that are being recycled over there are starting in the UK. And there's a lot of the same Islamophobic, crazy, you know, you know opinion makers or whatever you want to call them, pundits, who are making their living in the same ways that there are in the US. There's there's the equivalents in the UK, the, the likes of uh, Katie Hopkins to oh, yeah. the Ann Coulters in America, you know, and so they're, they're the people who immediately after this are saying, you know, this has cowed London, everything has, has changed. And of course, it's it's the absolute opposite, I think, yeah. I mean, that the, the the best of being stiff upper lip British has come out, I think, in the city of London since. And it's, it's certainly not the case that it's, you know, a broken city or anything like that. I mean, they're even like, there's obviously calls to review the security of the compound based on what happened. But a lot of people are saying that they don't want more security. They said that that would actually, that would make it look like that the other guys had won, and they they, they want to say, yeah. but look, it was it was terrible, but it happened, and I mean, it's it's just a fact of life of living in the modern world, and we're not going to let it mm. change how we go about our day and our work. So I mean, that was that was really uplifting, I guess, after all that, because it was quite square, scary when it was happening, because the way instant news happens, like I got the alerts on my phone, I was like, check the news right now, and yeah. it was all going on, and then 
I was like, okay, no, you need to switch that off for a couple of hours because if you keep watching the same rolling footage of nothing for a couple of hours, you're just going to get more and more anxious. So eventually I logged back on a couple of hours later and then seeing that it was in, it was under control and eventually like they released the details of what actually happened. But there was a lovely moment in it when uh, two English policemen tried to cross a wall and one of them fell dramatically off it. The first one did a, a beautiful bounding leap across the wall and his colleague then tried to follow Wait, and I, just got caught on the wall and think, fell into a garden. No, 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 totally. I think you were watching that movie Hot Fuzz. <laughs> it basically was a scene from Hot Fuzz. I'll, I'll send it on to you again. It's a, a show notes classic for you, but it's yeah, like, for sure. When, when you have rolling coverage, you always end up with those little moments like that that are a nice relief from the yeah. horrible thing that's going on. Oh, we uh, yeah, um, Another thing sticking with the Britain is that the uh, Scottish National Party in Scotland mm -hmm. um, have announced that they want to have another referendum on independence, like soon, sooner rather than later. They want H to how soon is soon? Like how possible could they get that together? Well, they've already. I think they have. They passed the legislation yet. They have. Yeah. I mean, it'll take more than what they've done at the moment. I think to officially make yeah. this a reality. But there, it, there's a huge pressure for it now, and I think you know as, as soon as the the um, Brexit decision was made, the, you know, the, the map of who voted to stay in and who voted to go out of Europe was very clearly drawn at the border of Scotland for the most part, in Northern yeah. Ireland too. Um, but I think it's, it's really, it's reignited the uh, independence movement in Scotland hugely. And I think it's, I could see them going this time, I think really. Well, yeah. like, I mean, I, Scottish nationalism was actually the first political movement I properly got involved in. So it's always something that's been close to my heart. I've been watching it closely. It's not even that. I mean, even before Brexit, they had the referendum, the independence referendum. They lost by like 10%. Yes. It's quite a bit compared to how other referendums have happened these days. But then immediately afterwards, they had a general election where they returned like um, 60 out of 62 um, um, members of the Westminster Parliament as, as, as SNP, which has never happened before. They basically wiped out Labour and the Liberal Democrats yeah. in Scotland. And then immediately afterwards, they had the uh, the Holyrood, the Scottish Parliament elections, and then SNP got re-elected for I think a fourth consecutive term, which is huge. I mean, it democracy is a killer because I mean it doesn't really make any sense. These people rejected the very basis that that party exists, and then immediately afterward, afterwards rewarded them with massive <laughs> electoral gains all over the place. And as as Donald was saying, I mean the SNP see this as their chance to really press home that. If you want, if Scotland is going to stay in the United Kingdom, we're just going to have to keep on doing what the massive majority down in England want to do. So we don't mm -hmm. want to leave the EU. England did, and now it's dragging us and the rest of the UK out. So she, uh, Nicola Sturgeon, the Scottish First Minister, she says that she wants to have it happen um, end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I think. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, she called that expecting, and she called it the day that Theresa May was expected to announce that when she was going to do Brexit. So it was kind of like an upstaging, nasty move politically, I guess, which really apparently royally pissed off the um, the British cabinet. But then mm -hmm. um, Theresa May came out and said, no, we're not going to let you have it until we're done with Brexit. So there's already a bit of a standoff there between the two parties. Because yeah. um, constitutionally, the Scottish Parliament can ask for a referendum, but it's up to the Westminster Parliament to permit yeah. them to have it. So, I mean, they can't stop it because it's a democracy. And yeah. like, it's not really, if they were to stop it, that would only really backlash. It would just be- So Brexit's going to happen. And then after that, there'll be a referendum for Scottish independence. And then Scotland, if it succeeded, would have to well, try to re-enter to the EU. That's, that's um, Theresa May's narrative. But yeah. the, okay. the Scots are saying that, no, we need to have the referendum before Brexit. And that they say that they would be able to claim like special status to, to take the UK's place at the European tables. That is entirely- up in the air because this nothing like this has ever happened before. There's no precedent. Mm -hmm. It would basically be up to the EU and Scotland and the UK to figure that out. 
But the first thing they have to do is actually figure out how to have, how, how to have the referendum. And then after that, they, they figure out the EU part. Right. So yeah, it's fun time to head. Busy week. <laughs> busy, busy week. Busy. Yeah, and that's probably only yeah. a fraction of it. Oh yeah, um, another one actually I wanted to mention now before we go is that when Enda Kenny was over in the United States, the Irish Taoiseach schmoozing mm. and giving everybody shamrock, some of which was eaten by uh, Mike Pence's rabbit. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, has a lot of pets apparently. And one of them is a rabbit called Marlon Bundo. That's, that's probably a fact that's wrong, but uh, I, I'll get corrected by somebody I, I, else. If that's wrong, I don't even care because it's such an awful name. I, I don't mind. This little rabbit has its own Instagram account and uh, it was photographed eating the shamrock that was given to the to the Pences by the, <laughs> by the Irish government. So, it's a powerful uh, image. It's, it, is, it just, yeah. yeah, it symbolizes it all. Um, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Perfect. And again, he, uh, when he was over in the United States, made an announcement that he wanted to open up voting in the presidential elections of Ireland to everyone, I think, that holds an Irish citizenship, is it? Yep, yep. Yeah, which pretty much doubles the amount of people that get to vote already. It, I mean, the, the bigger thing that he did, which I, I thought you were going to mention there, was the, the his super viral speech that he made, which I was very surprised oh, no. to see how that... I mean, it's it's in the 40 million views at this point. So he's, he's one of the first world leaders to be seen to publicly stand up to Trump in a way, besides Angela's fantastic thing that she did on his election, which is, is great. Um, but he, he used the traditional giving of the shamrock St. Patrick's Day message thing uh, to talk about how St. Patrick himself was an immigrant. And there's a fantastic video of this where you see Trump's face get gradually more and more annoyed <laughs> as the speech goes on as he tries to, you know, simmer his hatred behind his weird mm. jowls. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of taken off in a way that I didn't expect. I was pleasantly surprised because I'm, I'm not a, an enormous fan of Enda Kenny's work generally, but I think on this case, or in this this occasion, they, they worded it very well. They, they walked that line really well between what you can diplomatically do in that circumstance and actually needing to make quite an important point about immigrants and how the US is built on them. So uh, mm-hmm. good man, Enda Kenny. Is that, is that all the news? Are we all caught up? Let's just say it is because I'm, I'm worried about how long we've been talking about things. And I'm sure it's it's like a tiny, tiny fraction of the many things that have happened, but it'll do. It's okay. We, it's, it'll, it'll do. It's been a long time since people have heard our voices. I'm sure they'll be so delighted to see an extended, super long episode in their feeds. <laughs> that we and they screwed up the beginning of. <laughs> well, they don't know that. <laughs> no, they do. We've talked about they it. They do. So we spend a lot of time talking about it specifically so they know. It's not going to hurt them, though. They're just going to know true. about how shamed I am at my and my Windows laptop. Yeah, which makes it could really hurt actually the Microsoft stock price. Could it when when the <laughs> listeners find out that it's, it's essentially their fault? Windows Ten it. wasn't that you guys are fucking iPhone stooges as usual. <laughs> just because like I'm after taking out my Samsung phone now, and don't I'll just give it the evils? No, it's fine. I'm just I, I I'm waiting for it to burst into flames. <laughs> That's slightly worse because I've drank my drink and I've nothing to throw on it when it's. Did you guys see Samsung's new, uh, their new TV spot, their new ad? It's basically just a bunch of scientists checking the safety requirements of their devices. I didn't didn't put that together. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) I shall also put that in the show notes, but it's, it's absolutely wonderful. That's fantastic. You should, you should put in the story about the Samsung battery fire factory that went on fire. Uh, Yeah. Factory went on fire. Yeah. The factory that makes the batteries went on fire. Yeah. Matt, that ad though, Donald, it's just like a bunch of scientists in a white lab coats looking, basically looking at phones, looking at they don't explode, and then does one of them the the side have like a sneaky fire extinguisher with him, just like <laughs> under his lab coat? <laughs> they're like microwaving them and sticking them in ovens and freezers and stuff. I got no, look, they're not blowing up, guys. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, yeah. we're 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 on good technology now, so I feel like we're we're safe from here on, so we could go into the general part of the show if you want. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. there's no easy segue into this. So the whole point of this episode is, I guess, what am um, social media? Oh, you got to say the line this time, Steve. I know, it's my first time. Someone else, is, someone else has to do the explaining this time, so I really wanted to say it. Stole that away from me. We didn't talk about this no, beforehand. No, I, I didn't want to give the opportunity to say no. I just, I just took it. I'm, I'm, inspired. I'm inspired by Donald Trump now. Don't take it back, though, please. <laughs> Okay, I could just edit myself saying it in. I could take control of it. You could do something where, where you're harmonically saying it at the same time as him and there's a beautiful sort of, like like a, a choir of you saying it. That would be really nice. We should just try that on live. Let's do that now, okay? You ready? No. <laughs> it's okay. for the best. Let's move on. We're not doing that. Damn it. Okay, yeah, we're going to talk about what I'm social media, particularly through the lens of politics, because Donald, as you established at the start, you did a PhD all about this. You're extremely knowledgeable and articulate when it comes to this field. I think this is the exact opposite of what I tried to establish at the beginning, but I can I can give a good go to, to most of it. Um, I think probably, yeah, we, we need to talk about just the, the political end of it rather than the totality of what is what am sorry oh my god what am <laughs> social media no that grammar around these parts <laughs> i apologize we have a vocabulary in place total i i almost ruined your brand there sorry about that um <laughs> no there's i mean it is something that's that's studied like the very fact that there are people who have phds in it is you know tells you about how all-encompassing it has become and how much a, a horrible interwoven part of our lives it is in lots of cases. But there's, it's particularly studied around politics. I mean, there's a lot of interest around how it is that social media gets used by politicians to do the things that they do. Um, so I'm not sure what's the, the best way of going into this. Do we want to go into the history of it first? Do we want to talk about... Yeah, I think, I guess starting off, I mean, the historical narrative of basically how the different forms affected politics. Yeah. Um, if you would give us a general breakdown on that, then... Right, then the, the format is usually that we jump in with either witty anecdotes or questions. Or fart noises or, or things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so. I have never once farted it into was a the belch, microphone. Sorry, I, think, I think it was a belch now that I recall probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, I suppose one of the things that's important to think about, I suppose, is this, uh, what academics call affordances of different media. So the fact that different kinds of media are good at particular things, have particular sorts of uses. And this, you know, when you begin to think about the difference between how we use Facebook versus how we use Twitter, for example, this points to a lot of the, the characteristics of Twitter make it very good for politics. The fact that it's highly current, that it's public, that lots of people can very easily get in on the, you know, big public discussion that's going on there. This makes it a very good tool for that. So it's probably above the rest of the social media platforms. It has a strong association with politics. But Facebook, I suppose, too, because it's it has organizational value and people can use it to, you know, plan events or, or you know, whatever it is, get get com smaller communities together. It, it also has a, a big role to play, too. But it's more of a kind of closed community. Like on, on Facebook, you are not broadcasting to the world. You're broadcasting to a pre-prescribed list of friends. So it's slightly different. So I suppose a lot of the studies that take place tend to take place around Twitter because it's the, the obvious and the easy one. And it's the one that's been, you know, most associated with campaigning over the last while. Uh, the Obama campaign, I think, is probably the first one when you really see it. Uh, 2008? The, in 2008. And the, the second one, I suppose, more so. But in 2008, he, he sort of established that social media can be used in a political way. So Twitter was fairly young at that stage. Twitter only came out in, in 2006. Yeah. Um, so it was fairly shortly after that. Um, in the, his second, in his rerun campaign, certainly he really made use of it for fundraising. And I think that, you know, that at that point, it became firmly a part of how politics is done. And that campaign is often seen as the, the one that, you know, is the cementing of it. Before that, it's kind of the experimental way to do politics. At that point, it becomes de facto one of the things you have to do when you're doing national politics in, in Western countries anyway. Um, well, in India too, I suppose, India actually, we, we've seen uh, um, 
a lot of use of it as well. But it's now it's it's gone from being something that was, I suppose, invented as a community building, communicative, experimental thing to something that is firmly entrenched in in political campaigning in particular. And uh, so, should we talk about specific examples of it? What's the? Yeah, maybe um, if for me personally. Um going back to maybe just using Obama as a case study, like it seems like the first one, 2008 was around the inception and then it got more elaborate for a second. Mm. Could you talk about like that evolution there and what things grew and what they learned and, and how it affected the outcome? Yeah. I think the first one, the, the thing that really came out of it was his ability to get grassroots fundraising going because in American politics, it's, you know, the, the presidential campaigns are hugely money driven. You've talked before about the enormous, enormous sums that they, they spend in this. And we saw this in the, the most recent election. And so, he was effectively able to demonstrate that social media was a way to locally organize small groups of people and to give, you know, micro donations, small amounts of money, something that Bernie Sanders actually did very well in the last uh, presidential campaign as well. Um, and I think once that was proven in the American case, it, it became, you know, the uh, sort of a go-to thing to do for, for other campaigns. And it, it grew and grew. And in his second, in Obama's second run, he really very effectively used uh, social media as a tool for that. So there was a lot of the local organizations of, of I, I can't think of the, the word for them. I'm calling them cells, but that's actually a terrorist term. Which is awful. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call small groups of let's, people who are let's who stick are with cells. So the local cells. Jesus. <laughs> um, the well, Colorado cell. Yeah. The, God, I actually, I'm, I'm lost for, for words, but anyway, the, the, on the local level, it was a way to um, disseminate information for them to, to organize themselves, for them to fundraise in particular in the American case. And it was extremely effective there. It began to be taken up in Europe. And then people noticed in the particular case of Twitter that it began to be very important for um, public discourse. The, the idea that you can start as a group of people talking directly to politicians or talking to parties, or you can raise issues that come to the attention of politicians because it is so obvious within the, the medium that enough people are talking about something. And so that's been, you know, the, the mode that Twitter has, has occupied in politics for the last while is that it is this kind of, um, you know, what, what people refer to as the public sphere in, in the olden enlightenment days when people met in coffee houses and talked about political issues. That has become a digital public sphere for the same thing. So this is being really nice to Twitter and we'll talk about yeah. the crap side of it later. Yeah, it's, that's, not the, that's not the image I normally get. <laughs> yeah, this, this is not the Donald Trump part of Twitter. Um, but the idea is in theory that it's a, a sort of a... a democratically open place in which you can go and, and contribute to a conversation. And, you know, it's there's all sorts of issues of who can actually access it and digital divides and things like that. But in general, it is the case that um, it forms a fairly you know wide ranging forum that people can get in on a conversation fairly quickly. They can find information easily. Hashtags let you sort of thematize what you're talking about and let other people find contributions you're making and all that sort of thing. So in general, it's the analogy holds. But yeah, there's a horrible dark side to do it as there is with everything on the internet yeah so i mean when you were talking about the uh, it, it's like an open public space and how we get to use it like that um is that not is that actually a benefit or is it not just lots of people shouting at each other yeah it, i mean that, that's a part of it certainly and i think there's i mean it isn't as as open as all that it isn't the case that you know, everyone just suddenly goes online and starts talking about things. There's a sort of, you know, there's a hierarchy within it. There's yeah. a, a building of, of you know, respect and status as there is everywhere. Um, but uh, it has, it, it occupies that particular thing I was talking about of being a place where you can get an overall sense of where things might be going on a particular topic or a place where 
momentum can, can snowball on some particular issues. So something that's organized there can be brought to national attention. And that's happened many times in, in Irish politics, certainly, and uh, certainly around the, the referenda we've had and the, you know, the, the marriage referendum, which is an easy one to go back to. A lot of the early part of, um, you know, building so, or political pressure for that to actually occur in the first place came out of social media and came out of people, uh, you know, organizing there and, and bringing, you know, attention to it. And this is, again, happening in Ireland at the moment with abortion. There's a lot of stuff in the same sort yeah. of vein happening there, too. Um, so it isn't, you know, this golden place where everybody can go and just be heard and it's all coherent, obviously. But it is somewhere that it's easier to get into political discourse there than it is to write a series of letters to a politician. If there was a digital equivalent of like a talking stick that we could just hand around peacefully and quietly and like get people to communicate that way, it would make things a lot easier because at the moment it's just people shouting most of the time if you don't actually... Could we specifically give it to the non-stupid people? I'm not sure. <laughs> that kind of takes away from your whole point about it being open. And it does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, said, I said it was a theory. It's, it's not, yeah. <laughs> Dole, you mentioned the um, the equal marriage campaign in Ireland. You were you, you got really involved in that. You had the uh, Vote With Us campaign that you and a few others uh, founded and social media really played into that. Do you want to talk about that from a f- first-person perspective? Sure. How, how it that, affect that campaign and the benefits and drawbacks? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, it was myself and two friends did that at uh, an early stage. So again, we knew that the marriage referendum was coming up uh, in Ireland, you know, several years before it actually was called. And like all uh, <laughs> binary issues like that, where there's a yes and a no side, uh, you're, you kind of, it, it's hard to tell which way it's going to, to go. And we were very worried about what the outcome might be in Ireland. But more than that, to be honest, we were very worried that the yes side, and spoiler alert, I was on the yes side for this. No, uh, <laughs> what? Being a big gay, I wanted some marriage. <laughs> today, brother. Um, but uh, on the, on that side, there was a lot of factions within that. So, I mean, within the gay community, even in just in Dublin, there were a lot of people who had violently different ideas on how it was. Violently? Well, uh, strongly, hugely, <laughs> vociferously different views on how best to campaign. And so myself and two friends, we were, we were a bit worried that it would all, there, was, there would be so much infighting that a coherent message would not come out. And so mm-hmm. the fact that I, I study social media amongst other things and the fact that the, the people I worked with had a political background, the three of us said what we needed to do was to put together a campaign that was about getting ordinary people to say, why would this be a good thing for Ireland and to tell their story? And so obviously a good place to do that is, is a social media platform. So we created a site for it and we, we used uh, YouTube mostly to get people to make short videos about why they're doing it or why they're, why they're voting yes, that is. And then we used the different uh, platforms, uh, Facebook and, and Twitter to kind of direct traffic to that. And yeah, I mean, we were stunned. It was, it was hugely successful, but it was successful because uh, the videos that people made were just these fantastic, honest, lovely videos. And there's uh, one in particular, please put in the show notes, Bridget and Patty White, these beautiful, who they became the, the adopted grandparents of everybody in Ireland after they made this incredibly <laughs> charming, lovely video. They're, they're in their 80s and they just cut through a lot of the ideas of Ireland as a backward place that's ruled by old Catholic people because they, they explained why it was that they were going to vote yes. And so videos like that, you know, in that sort of space can be hugely effective. And I think were in, in the case of the, the marriage referendum. So it's another way, I suppose, in which a very small campaign can grow very quickly by people using these kind of channels to get involved in it. And so it was probably a good example of that effect that social media can have in a political way. So that was a positive effect, um, a positive use of the medium. What would you make of what Trump has managed to do, particularly with Twitter in the last two years? 
Yeah, so yeah, I knew I knew we had to talk about the bad part too. We have to. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Trump. I think uh, Trump is a special case. I think there's there's probably a wider conversation about the bad sides of social media. But to be specific about him, I think uh, he does a, a very unique thing, which is that he he knows how to be a ridiculous showman, and he knows that you can say a short controversial thing and that it will be taken up very well in that particular space of Twitter. And he also, I presume, knows that he, when he does this in a medium like that with a short character count in the way he does, that later it's feasible for people to step in afterwards like um, uh, Kellyanne or Sean Spicer and to say, oh, what he actually meant was not the horrible (laughs) thing that he just said. So there's a, a creative ambiguity around things that are said on Twitter that I think suit him perfectly. So the combination of him being someone who says, you know, quick, outrageous things that you want to repeat and retweet, whether you agree with them or not. In fact, I think a lot of the people retweeting him are people <laughs> who are just going, holy shit, look what he said now, not I wholeheartedly endorse this crazy thing he said. Um, so it's a, an especially good space for him, I think. But in general, like everywhere else, when you have an organizational platform for politics, you get bad elements organizing there too. And so um, social media has certainly been used uh, effectively by the alt-right in particular, by a lot of, uh, in within Europe generally, by, by the same sort of, of nationalistic movements and things like that. Yeah, just to define, in case, like, the alt-right is kind of the, the quick term people have used to describe what is the resurgence of basically white supremacist nationalist movements across yeah. Europe and America. Basically, bad people that have got a lot of right-wing racist views kind of counterculture lashing back against all the multiculturalism that's been going on in the last 20 years or so. And yeah, but they've been categorized as the alt-right and they have really, really used social media to as a good form to, to coalesce around their different groups across the world. And they backed Donald Trump quite a lot. Yeah. And yeah. Again, I, like it's, it's cheap to get involved. There's no huge barrier to it. I mean, obviously there are the the fact that you need the device, the connection and whatever else to, to get there. And so there is, you know, there's a, a, a third world issue around, you know, digital access and all of that sort of stuff that's quite different. But in general, in the kind of countries where this is happening, it's not terribly difficult to to get involved in these things. And it's an easy way in which you can organize, you know, nice things like a marriage referendum campaign, but horrible things like alt-right, you know, <laughs> get rid of all foreign people from my country campaign. Um, and so, yeah, it's like anything, it's... it's it, depending on who uses it, it can be used in variant ways, but the mechanism is still the same. The thing that it's affording you to do is, is what's, you know, behind all of this, I suppose. And do you think there's, there's measures that can be put in place to regulate and try and get this to a better position? Like I know Facebook are implementing tools around fact-checking face news links to try and um, clamp down on that. But do you think broader speaking across all social media platforms, there's a way of, uh, you know, maybe, emphasizing better discourse no i don't i'm very pessimistic about this um facebook in particular Fuck. yeah well, yeah no sorry um what they're doing i think they, they yeah they have some duty to do so they're a different case in which they're kind of putting things into your feed that they are algorithmically choosing for you and their algorithms are doing a pretty terrible job a lot of the time uh yeah. incidentally so are youtube so I, I don't know to go back to the news very quickly whether you saw the thing about uh, all of the huge brands that are, are pulling yeah. their, their ad deals with yeah, YouTube. Like yeah, like Johnson & Johnson and a couple other big ones are pulling them out because there was some 
like ISIS decapitation videos yes. that pre-rolls are U- appearing on. The yeah. UK government was down as a sponsor of that particular video. Yeah. So they pulled their funding. Wow. But at the same time, yeah. a lot of the videos, a lot of alt-right videos, a lot of incredibly bigoted, crazy stuff. And then you would get a little Starbucks ad at the beginning of it. So I mean, <laughs> you can understand why they're a little bit perturbed by this. But what, the, the what same thing. What cookies and what metrics in that person's viewer, like Cashman <laughs> makes them think that that's the good thing to sell then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they, this is uh, like it's part of the reality of, of these these platforms being so, you know, algorithmically generated in the first place. Like it's not human decision making that's deciding a lot of this stuff. It, it's, you know, trends that it has captured about you and whatever. And so in the case of Facebook, I think they they have some duty to make sure that those algorithms are not, you know, making ridiculous fake news seem like it's the same value as real news. And so there, there's certainly something that can be done there. But Twitter, I think, which is more where a lot of the political stuff is happening you know, these are just contributions from lots of different people all over the place. I mean, there are certainly fake accounts there and there are certainly deliberate, you know, ridiculous things that are coming out there. But I think it would be greatly harder to uh, to police that. And I think as soon as you start doing so, then it will just move somewhere else as well. So, I mean, there's there's going to be a big issue around, you know, when these sort of controls are attempted, then a lot of the value of what that thing does is taken away. And so I'm not sure if it's going to be particularly successful in Twitter's case. Um, how much do you think... Like social media is very new, as you said, like Twitter itself is only around 2006, only really became a thing in 2007, 2008. Facebook kind of the same timeline, YouTube. Like how much of it do you think is actually social media is having this change on politics and public discourse and that side of things? Or is it just us adapting to a new technology just like we would have done before with the printing press and telegrams and radio waves and television? Like interestingly, not really interestingly, but there's an entire chapter in my PhD about this exact question. <laughs> yes, <So. laughs> we got up here for a reason. So I will now begin reading. <laughs> no, it's it's very long. This is a question that there, there's. So this is is kind of an age old thing in in people who study media around the difference between things being technologically determined. The technology comes along and it absolutely changes the society and, and uh, you know, it's the driving force or things being socially shaped. The technology comes along and the society just adapts it to its needs. And I think in this case, it probably is. It, uh, it, I mean, it's a slight mixture of the two, but it's certainly more heavily on the, the latter. The same sort of hierarchies of powerful people are represented in uh, in, in Twitter or in Facebook in the same way. There's still, the discourse hasn't changed that much. The way professional politicians use these is kind of an extension of how they use press releases or how they broadcast things on TV before that. So it hasn't massively changed things. A lot of the the kind of early examples um, made people very optimistic that it was going to be this sweeping new way of doing politics. And I think the Arab Spring in particular gave this shine to Twitter, especially that it was going to be the you know a series of democratic revolutions were going to come out of this technology, basically. And of course. You know, do we know, should we say how badly they all went? They all went really badly, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't actually think there was one good news story at the end of it all. There wasn't. No, no, it was it was pretty terrible. But um, th- this is the really what, what happens with a lot of these things that, that come along. There are new ways of doing things that we used to do before. Um, there's some new opportunities in it. And certainly one of those is, is an ability for more members of the public to get involved. But ultimately, a lot of the same systems of power persist through it. So this is just a sad way to say that nothing will ever change and we're doomed, basically. This That's is actually like, how the PhD ends. It's weird. Th- yeah, this is how like 80% of the, these podcast episodes end yeah. is on this like morbid tone where nothing's going to get better and it just makes me sad and I wish I just lived in ignorance as opposed to trying to enlighten myself. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you'll start to notice why a lot of the people that are tuned into the things going on are generally not very happy, stable people. <laughs> 
Can you track that about them? Can you see how unhappy your listeners are? Is there a metric for that? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's just like a bunch of emoticons. <laughs> um, speaking of that, I mean, one of the things that has come out of this, the, the actual thing that the, the, my area of research is on is this idea that now we have much better data on how people get involved in these kind of discussions. So the fact that you have these, you know, millions of people being involved in, you know, conversations that they have very helpfully tagged for you with the hashtag saying yeah. what they're about means you can now study them in a way that was previously absolutely impossible to do. And so, you know, there's still lots of caveats. It's still not completely representative of, of you know, public discourse, but it's still a hugely new, useful tool that we didn't have before. So a lot of the stuff that I do is, is looking at that kind of very large scale picture of how patterns of people interact with one another and what's really going on in terms of how politicians are using something like Twitter to talk to constituents or how activists are using it and this sort of thing. So my takeaway from that is what Donald's saying is that it is a good thing, but he gets to spy on us all and use it for his academic researches. Yeah, pretty, pretty <gasps> much. Yeah. I'm sure the, the NSA also does and various I, other large I scale. I took that for yeah, granted, yeah. but I didn't know that you were looking over my shoulder as well yeah. every time I tweeted I about what I'm having for breakfast. I specifically follow both of you and I put a little <laughs> quote from each of you, usually about farts or whatever, into whatever I'm, I'm publishing. So anytime I, I go... Total, we never once talked about farts on this. <laughs> Burps, yes. Pooping, yes. Farts is untapped resource for us. Maybe this can be a new theme for next week, not this week. Please don't do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, so I, uh, the, the world may be terrible, but the good thing is academics can study how terrible it is more carefully than we used to. So that's nice, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I feel uplifted. I'll tell you that. Yeah, fuck this. Uh, so <laughs> uh, the future of, do you, like, uh, is there trends now that are pointing to the future of social media and how it's going to evolve and change and shift that, you, that you've been made aware of? Or what's your take on the, on, the, on the future? The secret academics hotline that we, we call one another and going tomorrow everything is orange uh no we <laughs> um, buying, buying orange buying orange i i suppose uh no look, what's actually been proven in, in the last while is that people when they're indoctrinated in a particular way of using something uh hate change in it and so um we, you know we've seen lots and lots of attempts at new social media networks um elo if you do you remember elo when it, it tried to become the new facebook yeah it was terrible um, uh, Google seems to do one every six months. <laughs> they're oh, universally rubbish they every time. Yeah. Why can't um, they just own 60% of the internet and be happy with that? Yeah, it's, it's quite puzzling how, how bad they are at doing these things. Um, but yeah, so people tend to just fall into a particular pattern with something that they want to be familiar with. And I mean, even when Facebook makes a tiny, tiny change to its interface, the world goes absolutely batshit crazy that the oh, blue yeah. button is slightly to the left of where it used to be or whatever. So um, change in these areas are kind of slow. I think when something comes along, it will be a groundbreaking change rather than a small change to something that's already there because we tend to hate that as users of these technologies. Um, but a lot of what they're doing at the moment, they're doing well. And for the particular case of politics, I think Twitter has a good formula right now. The, the idea that they had to change the character count to a thousand characters, I don't know if you saw that. Oh yeah, that was a bad idea. That's a fucking terrible idea. I mean... I think if, they dropped that. If you're listening, people from Twitter, and I'm sure they are, uh, please please don't do that. That's <laughs> they're, really they're, stupid. Their head office is literally down the road for me. I can just go down and shout at them right yeah, now. If you, well, if you can get an old-style ghetto blaster and stand in the front garden playing this podcast. Like John Cusick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the European office is right beside my work as well. Oh my God, Twitter are literally on top of They're at our mercy. So there's no way that's coming in. Rest easy, Twitter users. It's not going to happen now. Um, but yeah, a change like that, that would totally, uh, you know, allowing people to just say much more in each one would make it much harder to read the feed. It would completely change the kind of dynamic of how it works. 
And, you know, that was it reviled when, when that was even suggested. And as you, you said, it's very, very likely that it's been put away forever now. So this is kind of the, the, the way with these things. Once something becomes embedded and well used, it takes a very, very large change to move people to a different dynamic entirely rather than a sort of series of small ones within it. So people are kind of have been happy with TV for a long time. People have been happy with Twitter for the past while. It'll be something else. Difficult for me to predict that will be the next big thing. Uh, um, do you have any fun games to let someone else play this week? Uh, no, I, I thought this would take up a lot of time, so I didn't want to right. make the episode longer than it actually needed to be. So no no fake news for real dudes. Is it, is it because Donald isn't a real dude? He's no, he's not. <gasps> I find no. that a challenge to my masculinity. That's that's very insulting. I had prepared, I had been extremely dudish this entire week uh, do, in, not, in the hope that it would happen. Dude, is <laughs> <laughs> Extremely dojish this entire week. <laughs> And that's okay. That's all right that there's no games. I mean, I'm hurt, but it's okay. I probably won't retweet this now. Oh, fuck. That's the whole point of this. You're going to lose out of my 17 followers. Damn it. Um, is that it then? Do we, is there anything we want to, like, don't really want to end on any parting knowledge you want to pass off? I don't think so. I mean, I've, I've covered the things that you were hoping to cover, I hope. Yep. And uh, yeah, no, I don't think there's anything else that's... But I think the way that Richie was using those words, he wants you to fart into the microphone before we finish. That's basically it. That was my way of setting you up. For I have an entire big just library of fart sounds that I can send you. Many of which I've made myself... No, why am I saying this? <laughs> I have no fart sounds and I've... No, stop. <laughs> I have to stop myself saying stupid things that you're just going to use against me in the edit. Welcome to the podcast yeah. <laughs> industry. <laughs> Other people who are considering being a guest on this show, this is what's going to happen to you. They will wait until you say something stupid about farting and then they'll have that and that will become the dominant theme and all of your PhD will be for nothing because you'll have talked about farting. That's going to be in quotes on the title card. <laughs> what yeah, you just said it. now, not the farting part. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. It's been really fun. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you, Donald. You've uh, you've added a, a level of legitimacy to this podcast that I didn't think we'd ever achieve. <laughs> Fantastic. Because I was literally, Donald, I was doing like research on you before. Like I've known you for years, but I found it like mandatory that I had to do a bit of research on you before you came on. Seriously? I don't know why. It didn't yield any results. But, uh, <laughs> well, that's perfect. Well, you're looking at the wrong Donald Mulligan. It's very interesting that when you Google me, there's another Donald Mulligan who's yes. really pissed off at all the weird drag shit that I do. <laughs> Because he is the CEO of General Mills in the US. And so yes, there was, there was, was a period. looking at him. Yeah, there was a period where for a while it would suggest the autocompletion when you typed in Donald Mulligan of Donald Mulligan Eurovision and Donald Mulligan gay. <laughs> <laughs> this poor guy who's CEO of General Mills must have been really, really unhappy. So apologies to you, Donald Mulligan, if you're listening to this. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he yeah, he, well, he, Donald Mulligan just needs to get better SEO. That's that's true. Yeah, he's, he's obviously rubbish at it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I, was, I, I don't know why I did research on you. And when I say research, I literally just went onto your website. But your, uh, the research interest part of your website just reads as a list of subjects that make Richie confused and sweaty. Okay. And I kind of I kind of stopped there because I got intimidated. <laughs> you just asked or sent me a message and I would have told you. But it's nice that you went to look me up and stuff. That's, that's really cute. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, before we end, I want to say a quick thank you to um, Hassan Ahmed at Supermarket Love on Spotify and iTunes. He wrote us a new theme song. It's brilliant. Which, um, I heard it last week. It's yeah. really good. It's really good. Yes. It's really good. And he like he did this 
by himself. He just took the initiative and just wrote seven different versions of it. Jesus. Sent them to me and got feedback. Seven and then, versions. This guy is really yeah. nice. I, I mean, he knows that you're just two drunks talking into a microphone, does he? I mean, is he? Shh, shh, shh. Don't. Shh, don't. Oh, right. Shush. Oh, sorry. Okay. Some people like that, okay, Donald? Now I've seen behind the curtain, I can't help it. I mean, this, this whole thing has come tumbling down. I had my suspicions yeah, when you couldn't say Doge, but now they've really come apart with the crashing and the, you know, the fart conversations that mostly I brought we up. We never had most. any fart conversations, goddammit. <laughs> okay, so anyway. Anyway, yeah, I want to say thank you to him for putting all that time and effort into making us a cool new theme song. Did, I'm sorry, hold on. Uh, did, did you just hear the beeping that's on the on the track there? Because that's actually the Samsung phone now fucking things up. So the other piece of technology that Steve owns, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it on fire? He's putting it in his pocket. So, I mean... I'm going to take this in. Rather than have the embarrassment of you look at the phone going fire, I'm putting it in my pocket and taking the searing pain on my thigh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> For some is... reason, when I shouted fart noise, it thought I said, okay, Google. Oh, my God. Take that, Google. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I Yeah, I don't know why I don't have I, I, Apple products. Obviously, that's what it's meant to happen. Yeah. Uh, anyway, th- thanks anyway. to that guy who made that fantastic theme. Thank you, Hassan. Yeah, I'll put, I'll put a link to his Spotify stuff in the show notes. It was really good. And again, like he did all that for free. At least I think it was for free. We haven't talked about that. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe we're going to get a bill. Coming, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good stuff. Thanks to everyone who listens. Um, if you enjoy the show, please make sure to tweet about it. Uh, we have a Facebook page, What on Politics. Go on there. Give that a like. Um, tell your friends, your families, your dogs, your bunnies who have Instagram accounts. Tell everybody to uh, listen and subscribe. Um, if you want to uh, and also like if you want to leave a review on iTunes that'd be really nice it you know it doesn't even you can if you don't particularly like the show you can just say it's a podcast or something that's <laughs> technically true but not necessarily very positive uh, but it actually just helps with the iTunes algorithms for pushing us up to more people if we get reviews and ratings and stuff so and if you're great. on social media which was a the theme of this week and you've noticed things that I've said incorrectly or more likely noticed oh, I things can't that wait. Steve said incorrectly, no. just use hashtag haughty corrections to bring them to our attention <laughs> and we'll be sure to check over those for next week. I cannot wait for everybody to come and correct Donald on this. I'm actually going to make sure that all his really pedantic friends and I know they're all pedantic they are. are going to listen to this and point out all the things he said wrong. I hope it's people just correcting him saying actually what on politics have never addressed farting directly <laughs> on, on any of their eight episodes. So. Hashtag fartgate. <laughs> Okay, that's the one to leave it on, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's where we'll end. <laughs> All, right. All right, see you, Richie. See you. All right, see you, Bye. guys. Thank you.